Greetings and welcome to Catholic Health USA, the podcast of the Catholic Health Association. I'm Brian Reardon and joining me from Clayton Studios just outside St. Louis is my co-host Marianne Steiner. Hi Marianne. Hi Brian. You look great through the plexi. Same same for you. It's good <laughs> to see your face. Good Thank to be you. in person. Um, so, hey, for this episode, uh, we're going to talk about the environment. Uh, always at the forefront, a major issue uh, for everyone on this planet. Uh, it's gotten a lot of attention during the pandemic. And we thought for this episode, we'd talk to a couple of our members who are very involved with this issue. Uh, so we have with us in studio here Lois Sechrist. She is the Environmental Stewardship Manager at Ascension Health here in St. Louis. Hi, Lois. Good morning. It's a beautiful day in St. Louis. It really is. Uh, and on the phone with us, we have Rochelle Vanger. She is System Vice President of Public Policy and Advocacy Engagement for Common Spirit Health. Hi, Rochelle. Good morning. How are you? Great. Thanks for being with us. Happy to be here. So, Marianne, um, do you want to kick this conversation off? Obviously, this is a topic we have covered quite a bit over the years in health progress, and I think there are a lot of issues, particularly pertaining to Catholic health care and our role, uh, positive and negative, with the environment. True enough. And I have to say that I first met Rochelle and Lois when we published an issue on the environment in 2016 in response to... Uh, Pope Francis's encyclical Laudate Si, and I, um, first of all, they were both great contributions, but secondly, I have been following what they've been doing, and given what's been going on with the environment, with the, with the uh, weather disasters, um, with the Paris uh, Accord, with all kinds of things, the environment has been front and center and politicized and then really challenged by what's happened through the pandemic in the last year. I mean, some people think that the pandemic has helped and that there have been less airplanes and less car travel. But really, we know that uh, the pandemic has caused a lot of health care's problems with the environment as we have had to use so much PPE and other equipment. So I'm wondering if, Rochelle and Lois, if you think the leaders in Catholic health care are aware of the contribution that negative contribution they make towards the environment and whether they're doing enough to mitigate the harm. This is Rochelle. I'll start first. Wow, that's a really loaded question, Marianne. (laughs) And by framing my answer, I'll start where you started with Pope Francis. Um, He starts his encyclical with a phrase from uh, St. Francis of Assisi's Canticle of the Sun, from this place of Laudato Si, praise. And he's reminded in prayer and and poetry that our common home is like a sister with whom we share our life and a beautiful mother who opens her arms to embrace us. And I think these are really such powerful images of relationship and connection, abundance and acceptance. And these are the themes that uh, motivate my answer to you. Uh, the Pope really did bless us with such an important encyclical at a time when when nations were preparing to advance the most ambitious climate agreement it could. I remember 2015 well. Laudato Si was released in June. We were working really hard to beat the drum in support of an ambitious Paris climate agreement. And in fact, I was there in late November, early December in Le Bourget, uh, a city right outside of Paris in the Blue Zone, talking about how healthcare is leaning in, standing in solidarity with those around the world who were calling for bold, uh, 
climate leadership to set and, and achieve the two degrees, 1.5 degrees Celsius goal, we need to avoid catastrophic global warming. And yes, we've <laughs> endured a lot these past five years, and, and that's putting it mildly. Um, so much coming all at once, the pandemic and the unearthing, if you will, of systemic and structural racism, divisiveness, fear, isolation. Oh, and by the way, we've got a climate crisis in our hands. And so when you ask if Catholic healthcare is aware and if it is doing enough to mitigate harm, I'm, I'm going to channel Pope Francis and St. Francis of Assisi here because I hear the question this way. I hear, how's your sister doing? Have you talked with her lately, gone out together? When was the last time you visited your mom, shared a big loving hug? You know, given Catholic healthcare's healing mission, we recognize this profound connection, this unbreakable bond between human health and the environment. And to us, climate action is first and foremost about that relationship. When Earth hurts, we hurt. When we're hurting, Earth is hurting. And many of us aren't under any illusion that life during a pandemic has been hard, frustrating, and really downright painful for many of us, including Catholic healthcare. And there have been days when we hope we can get through the hour, just one day more for our patients, for the communities we serve, wishing we could do more, be more. And there's also no denying that this time um, that the pandemic uh, you know, really has brought out the best in us in Catholic healthcare. We've dug in deep and our values are carrying us forward, faithful to our mission and adapting to new sets of realities. And so as we continue to deal head on with this pandemic, we're asking ourselves, how do we continue to move forward with greater intention, with greater resilience from this place of abundance and acceptance, equity and and inclusion and you know how do we build our environmental sustainability commitments using using our voice more boldly you know to tell our story to inspire and influence change so that's a lot to say and really you know my answer is really simple it's yes 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 we we are aware and uh, that fo that yes follows an and, you know, and we can do more, be more to exemplify this integral ecology that Pope Francis teaches. Thanks, Rochelle. That was an incredibly beautiful and positive answer to what could have been a really negative question. So that was so very thoughtful. Thanks. Lois, your, your thoughts on that question? So, um, Rochelle's work and my work, we complement each other so well because she does a fabulous job with um, expressing our voice and the advocacy. We tend to be very practical at Ascension. So um, our current leadership is becoming very engaged in sustainability and we look at the interconnecting issues of the need to reduce our carbon footprint, to understand the social determinants of health such as jobs, um, good access to food, um, a safe place to live, and then also supporting the beneficial impacts that we have in using our purchasing power to green our supply chain. So those tend to be the same things that we focus on at Ascension. Our connection of our environmental stewardship work to our mission is compelling, and it makes it very easy to understand for our associates as we um, blend this into the work that we do every day. And I'll give you an example 
One of our major achievements to date is our success in the Department of Energy's Better Buildings Challenge. Way, way back in 2011, we set a goal to reduce our energy use across our acute care hospital portfolio 20% by 2020. We met the goal three years early. We achieved 25% energy reduction um, by last year, 2020. And also by doing so, we saved um, upwards of $90 million that we could then use to provide health care to the poor and vulnerable. So as a, a foil and a complement to all of the wonderful things that Rochelle just described, um, we also take a very pragmatic lens to the work that we do to reduce our impact on the environment and provide more positive outcomes for our patients and our associates. And you're an architect by training, I think you mentioned. Um, have you seen a, a trend over the, the years of really putting more of an emphasis on building sustainable, I think, you know, in the past, that may have been viewed as an extra expense, and you just mentioned some of the cost savings, and I'm just curious if that has kind of maybe fit into the equation. I, I, let's use solar panel for, panels, for example. I think those tended to be more cost prohibitive. I think the technology is now to the point where there's probably an equation there like, wait a second, if we install solar panels on our facilities, there may be, you know, some cost savings. So how have things shifted in sort of the built environment uh, or the, the you know, architectural uh, decision-making process that goes as new facilities are coming online? So, right. We are looking at um, issues like total cost of ownership. So as opposed to just looking at the first capital cost of our projects, <clears throat> We're also looking at cost of ownership and the life cycle. So that is where we were able to um, identify that we can have lower operating costs over time. And that helps us balance that equation of the, of the first cost. Um, we're also looking at a number of issues um, related to green buildings. So we, um, as many of our projects as possible, we use the Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design, the LEAD yep. certification program for our new buildings. Um, and we are looking at other related issues such as construction waste management to reduce the amount of materials that we send to the landfill. We've learned that concrete and um, asphalt can be ground up and reused. So we're rolling out a program for that. So there's a number of different items related to energy use, energy efficiency, uh, reducing our carbon footprint. So we're finally making forays into renewable energy. We've done as much as we can, although we continue to do the work of reducing our energy use. We also need to reduce our carbon footprint. So that means clean energy sources. So speaking in that practical vein, Lois and Rochelle, would you talk a little bit, I know you two know each other well, and I think that's a wonderful thing that this is crossing systems. Will you, will you talk a little bit about what kinds of partnerships are particularly helpful right now as we tackle these, these issues with the environment and look towards this common home and common goal? Right. So, Rochelle, I'm going to talk about our work with Practice Green Health. Fantastic. Both of us, our systems have been involved for several years in a project called the Market Transformation Group. And that's an initiative to use our purchasing power and our voice to bring products to market that we would like to be able to buy through our health systems. So the very first project we worked on was to purchase poultry raised without antibiotics. 
to contribute to our antibiotic stewardship work. So we are now able to purchase um, primarily chicken, also turkey products, widely available at an affordable cost for our hospitals. And this is completely due to our collaboration with other health systems and using our size. Rochelle? Yeah, when I, when I think about um, collaborations and meaningful partnerships, I can't underscore enough that the work that we do at Common Spirit Health um, can't be done alone. Um, we really rely so much on uh, these partnerships and allyships that we forge with others um, because this this work is just too important and too big for any one of us to tackle. It really requires all of us doing our part. And in terms of specific relationships and partnerships we've forged over the years, Lois certainly has mentioned our our, our deep connection with practice green health and uh, and also, of course, healthcare without harm, uh, the counterpart of practice green health. Uh, we've been able to bring together through the U.S. Healthcare Climate Council uh, a dozen or so leading healthcare systems from across the country uh, who are really learning from each other and encouraging one another, seeing how we can make a difference together. You know, all the things that we do individually, it may seem like sometimes it's not enough to counter this global climate uh, crisis that we're facing, but all of these little things, they add up. Um, I, I know, you know, for a fact that, uh, you know, as we're, we're, uh, using our buying power uh, to, to change, you know, the marketplace from uh, a greener uh, to a greener, healthier, more sustainable um, e- economy. We're making a difference even in, in just changing one product that we use, and, and it could inspire others to, to do the same. And, and if you add all of those things up, it truly does make a difference. Um, and I know that, you know, in terms of other partnerships that we've had, uh, speaking of the marketplace, uh, businesses are an important partner to us uh, and subnational organizations. You know, as you know, uh, the U.S. pulled out of the Paris Accord and it was m- more important than ever to remain steadfast and, and, and keep, go even higher in our in our goal setting uh, we became part of we are still in and now that the u.s is back in the accord we're now uh, america is all in this most expansive coalition of leaders ever assembled uh, in support of climate action in the united states and together these leaders governors mayors tribal leaders businesses and other ngos they represent over half the U.S. population, two-thirds uh, of its economy, and half of all of U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. So if you, if you gather all those individuals doing, you know, the same thing, that really does amount to a lot. And so, you know, it, it's these small little actions that I think ripple uh, and inspire others and in, influence, you know, greater and bolder climate action. Yeah, and I remember um, several years ago when Common Spirit, and I think this is a neat story, uh, a, a young lady uh, wrote a letter to Lloyd Dean and said, hey, <laughs> yes. I noticed you have plastic straws. Um, you know what those do to uh, marine life, for example. And he made the decision, I think, pretty quickly to go to paper straws. So that's sort of one example, uh, which may seem like something simple. But right. can you also speak to maybe larger um 
for example, are systems like Ascension and Common Spirit being more deliberate in how they invest money so that the investments they make long term for capital projects and what have you are actually going to, uh, you know, are going to organizations um, that are pro-environment, for lack of a better word? Oh, absolutely. That is a great question. Rochelle, do you want to respond to that first? And then I have a couple of things I'd like to chime in as well. Oh, please. <laughs> Please go ahead, Lois. All right. So Ascension has been doing this work for several years. We um, apply environmental impact screens for our investment portfolio. And we um, this is really exciting. We're starting to see ESG com- questions, which is environmental social governance questions, related to sustainability from our investors. We have not seen that in the past. And so we thought that was a huge step forward. Um, and then the other issue that you talked on, um, the, the, the straws, you know, moving away from plastic straws. We've created a bigger effort around um, communicating, reducing the use of all kinds of single-use plastics, um, avoiding those items in our hospitals, and moving to reusable products and items that are not disposable. So that may seem like a simple thing, um, you know, may not have a big impact, but we encourage um, those visible signals of sustainability to the public that show our commitment to the work that we're doing, because a lot of those other things like the investment screens and our energy work and and other things may not be as visible to the public. So we do um, encourage communication. We're going to be rebranding all of our waste receptacles so that people understand that we do have a commitment to waste management and recycling, even though a lot of it happens at the loading dock and you're not going to see it. Um, We need to back that up with the real change of reducing our carbon footprint, but we think that both aspects are very important. So it's a spectrum, really. It's, It's being visible with some of the simple things and then, again, putting your money where your mouth is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Rochelle, do you? Yes, I think that I think that's so true, and and I think the point that needs to be made here is that addressing climate change or trying to advance climate smart healthcare is just not a nice thing to do or a moral thing to do for us, but it really makes economic business sense to uh, really advance these greener, sustainable uh, efforts. Um, it really is enabling us to sustain our healing mission. Um, it, it is part of the equation of the bottom line that we seek. Um, so, you know, being a leader in corporate responsibility and responsible investing and uh, incorporating shareholder advocacy and, and, and the things that we do, those are so important in making sure that our healing mission continues. Uh, without it, uh, we're, we'll be limping along and, and we won't be prepared for the future. Um, and so this is truly uh, something very important to us. And again, you know, um, to the point about the plastic straws, you know, if banning plastic straws or putting solar panel on roofs or purchasing an electric car or speaking to one legislator uh, is the only thing we do. It probably wouldn't be, uh, you know, probably would be inconsequential and would address only a tiny fraction of the climate problem. But again, I think, you know, all of us banding together is really about um, what we're trying to endeavor here. And yes, you know, we need to go for the low-hanging fruits, but those 
kinds of actions lead to bigger things. And uh, together, um, I believe we're really making a difference in this area. You know, given given the year we've just lived through, I'm surprised that I feel so hopeful about these kinds of things. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's because the pandemic thrust in our faces the fact that we can't delay on some things much longer. It, it's gotten to s- such a point. And I think that climate change for many people seemed like more of a luxury for a while. And now, given what's happened this year, we know that climate change has been affecting people who are poor more than more than people of privilege and and people on the fringes and people who are homeless and um, more susceptible to health problems than other people. So I'm very um, hopeful about the fact that advocacy for health equity is being tied with environmental justice. Mm-hmm. Where do you see that going? Well, Marianne, you know, first let me start by saying that Common Spirit Health vision of health equity is very much tied to our common vision for a healthier planet. And Pope Francis tells us, you know, that climate is a common good and that it belongs to all and is meant for all. And when he means all, he means all, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not just uh, for for the well-to-do or those who can get by. Um, You know, the effects of the deterioration of the environment are are suffered by the poorest, as you have just underscored. And this is unacceptable. You know, we are a human family. And Catholic healthcare has always been about the preferential option to serve the poor, the most vulnerable, those at the margins. And so for us, you know, climate healthcare really is, um, uh, climate like healthcare, I should say, is uh, a justice issue. And those, you know, those living in the most polluted areas are those who are at least able to afford uh, to move to better places. We know that droughts and severe weather conditions are spurring forced migrations, you know, because people can no longer make a living, sustain a productive life in those areas. There are physical, mental, social, and spiritual health consequences. And as healthcare providers, we see those conditions firsthand. And so who but us can vividly say something about this and do something? So, you know, to us, really, um, this connection with health equity and environmental justice, it's exactly what our healing mission is about. Yeah, and I would add to that, um, that Ascension, we're just beginning our work here. So for those of you listening to this podcast who haven't ventured into this area, don't feel bad. We are just getting started. We have just joined the Healthcare Anchor Network. Our facilities need to be operational 24-7. So again, this speaks to our pragmatic nature that we want our facilities to be resilient and operational no matter what the weather conditions, no matter the weather outcomes. Um, We're also looking, I mentioned earlier, the social determinants of health that definitely affect the poor and the vulnerable. So housing, jobs, access to healthy food, education, transportation, and those health impacts of climate change. Um, It's important for us to be aware of those. And and, and, and on a practical Mm -hmm. level with the social determinants of health, what are some examples of ways that a health system or a hospital or a local community 
can both affect positive change for the environment and address social determinants of health. I mean, a, a simple thing to me would be going to a city council meeting and saying, hey, we need more sidewalks in this neighborhood so people can actually walk, be outdoors. I mean, are there other examples like that that you think if you were given advice to uh, peers out, out listening about their roles at, at their local hospital or at their health system, what are things we can do from an advocacy standpoint? I guess I'd ask both of you that question because I, I am intrigued by the, the connection between our work around addressing social determinants of health, which has been at the forefront. We've talked a lot about that in health progress, but there is an environmental connection there as well. You can kind of, it's a win-win or you, you can get a two-for-one on that. <laughs> right. I think you make, you know, a, a really important point there and, and are asking the right questions because, I mean, as we see uh, this climate crisis and environmental issues, it really does cut across all of the social determinants of the health issues. I mean, take any one of them, housing, you know, immigration, um, uh, economic, uh, you know, poverty issues, you can find climate in, in all of that. And so, you know, really, as um, we invest in community benefit programming and the like, it's really about connecting the dots to see how housing, homelessness, you know, uh, we've talked about it already in the way that uh, the most vulnerable, the homeless, are, are impacted by the elements of, of what's going on uh, weather-wise, right? How can people heal, um, you know, when they don't have a home to be able to recover in or to shelter themselves from the elements? Um, and so, you know, we're really looking about, you know, how do we uh, invest as anchor institutions in the communities? Uh, we serve in these uh, uh, in these areas of social determinants, and we're doing that already. And we're doing it, you know, uh, uh, by really putting our money where our mouth is. But the trick here now is really understanding the connection between those social determinants and how climate is intensifying uh, the gravity of of those social determinants um, and and the need to address them. You've both been in the trenches with this for a long time, and and have seen what's possible and what could have been and, you know, what you wish for. I um, Here's a confession. I'm listening on tape to the Harry Potter series with my grandkids because it's some common ground. <laughs> and I'm thinking of wands. If you had a magic wand in your hand today, what's the one thing you would change about um, the way we're going at this that would just remove some obstacles or add some resources or whatever. I would say that we would like to infuse sustainability into the culture of our health systems and make it part of the work that we do every day. We don't want it to be added on. It, we just want it to be the way that we think and the way that we look at the world. And care for the earth is a very um, easy concept to understand, and we'd like that to be part of the way that we approach our work every single day. Thanks. I like that. And, you know, for me, I, I like to think that each and every one of us has a magic wand uh, uh, within us. And it's really about, you know, again, just coming back to the encyclical and, and the beautiful words of Pope Francis and, and the really clear and straight talk that he also provides in his encyclical. Um, we need to do the right thing. We need to lean in and lead. We need to come together to determine the solutions that needed at various levels and, and to create these systemic changes. And we need to be feisty and bold and act. 
um, you know, this climate crisis really means something um, more than just straws or, you know, electricity or, um, uh, you know, all the small and great ways that we are trying to tackle this issue. It's something really much bigger and something deeply personal. And that's about the core of our humanity. And really, there's no time to waste. And if we can stop and think about, you know, how it is that we can personally contribute um, to this issue, I think we can, you know, really make a big difference when we come together to do those things together. And I'm, and I'm hopeful because there's Ascension who is doing all the great things that need to get done for, for their system. There's Common Spirit Health that's doing this. And we know we're not alone in saying that there's hope and that there are things to do and that we are doing them and we can do more. And I, th- I think hope is a great word to summarize this conversation. Uh, Rochelle and Lois, you both gave some really great examples of, of work both of your systems are doing. Uh, a lot of work still yet to be done, but it, it does as we head into Earth Day this month. Uh, give me hope. I don't know about you, Marianne, but it, it, it seems like we're doing a lot as a Catholic healthcare ministry to address this, and, and I love the examples you both provided. So so thank you for your time today and your insights. And Marianne, any final thoughts? I'm so glad you both said yes. I mean, I, I think that you speak for for systems that are taking this seriously. You speak for systems that have the resources, both financial and brain power and commitment to make a difference. And, it, and it's wonderful to hear what you're doing. Again, we thank Lois Seacrest. She's the Environmental Stewardship Manager at Ascension here in St. Louis. And Rochelle Vanger, she's Assistant Vice President of Public Policy and Engagement for Common Spirit Health. Thank you again for both uh, both of you for being with us today. Great conversation, and we appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having us. Take care, and thank you so much. And this has been another episode of Catholic Health USA, the podcast of the Catholic Health Association. For Marianne Steiner, I'm Brian Rudin, and until next time, we'll talk to you.